Today's episode of the Punk Rock Core Podcast is brought to you by SlashingCast.net. Ghouls, gals, creeps, and mutants, SlashingCast.net is all things you need to know horror network. This is where we have recently joined them and their multitude of other podcasts. You can find us on SlashingCast.net along with our merch and also Patreon link there. And while you're there, why don't you check out all the other shows they got going on? Ghouls, gals, creeps, and mutants. With that being said, let's jump into today's show. A year after starting to work for the Punk Rock Horror Podcast, I had settled into a behind-the-scenes routine. Reach out to sponsors? Sure. Edit the audio down? Yeah, I'd love to. Matt was always coming up with new ideas and projects. But he's an incredibly empathetic leader, never wanting to impose or overwhelm someone for his own sake. Easily the most empathetic, understanding guy I have ever worked for. And one day during a check-in, he came to me with a question, or, well, a series of questions. What was it like for artists during the pandemic? What was it like for bands, for singer-songwriters, for people trying to create music? What did the state of the world do to indie artists? And slowly but surely, it came out that he wanted to interview me. Yeah, I'm an intern for the Punk Rock Horror Podcast, but I'm also an independent musician, have been for a long time. And yeah, I was a little hesitant at first, very settled into my behind-the-scenes routine. But after some thought, I figured I had a lot to say. So, here goes my story, a few songs, and finally, an interview with the one and only Matt McCourt. My name is Haley, and I'm a musician. And like other artists would say, I always have been, and I always will be. Maybe I don't end up opening for big names, maybe I won't play my guitar for days, weeks, months at a time. But that's still who I am to my core. I remember the first time I signed up for a talent show. It would be in front of all of my peers, the whole grade. On the day of the show, my legs were shaking. I couldn't even speak up in class. What was I thinking getting on a stage? But ever since I put our name on that list, it wasn't about me. I couldn't let down the band. So I didn't let myself think about backing out, about stepping on stage. I knew that when the time came, when my band was announced and my brother, the drummer, and our bass player started walking out, I would have no choice but to walk out too. Sure enough, When the time came, I did. Legs shaking, and I never looked back. When I was a frizzy, red-haired, metal-mouthed teenager, writing music with my band was the way of life. My scrawny trio would play at every coffee shop open mic, every empty bar with X's stamped on both of our hands, every pregame football rally at school. I was more comfortable on stage than being around kids my age. We loved it, and we were good at it. And suddenly, people knew who I was. More importantly, I knew who I was. I loved it. The empty bars we played soon filled with college kids. 
We even landed gigs opening for 303. And we even landed a gig opening for Fall Out Boy and Paramore, which was so exciting, even if our contract made it completely clear that we were forbidden to talk to any of them. People started singing along to my songs. I remember that. They were getting something out of our music. And I'll never forget playing tunes that made the crowd jump so much that the shitty floor would bend and bow to the point that we thought it would surely break. Soon enough, we weren't kids anymore. We graduated college. And at that point, to be honest, I was burned out. I'd studied music and we had gigged ourselves into the ground. Our super genius bass player wanted to go on to cure cancer, and I believe he will. And the drummer was off to LA. Sometimes things just aren't meant to be. Sounds like a relationship breaking up, doesn't it? Everyone had seen the bittersweet end coming. It wasn't anyone's fault, and I'll remember it fondly. And hey, there was a lot of world out there to explore outside of Connecticut. So I found myself in Colorado. I fell completely in love with outdoor education, working with kids, and just exploring. Days sweating on bike rides with kids turned into nights gigging, solo this time, and later nights staying up with new friends. And for the first time in my entire life, my songwriting journal started collecting dust. It made me a bit anxious. A part of myself was collecting dust, wasn't it? Around this time, I heard an awesome TED Talk that brings a great perspective to creativity. The speaker says that in ancient Greece and ancient Rome, people didn't think that creativity was inherent like us Western folks do today, but something divine. Some spirit called a daemon came from some unknown source and brought you creative thoughts. They helped shape the entire outcome of whatever you were creating. The Romans called it a genius, which I'm going to go with so I can stop imagining Matt Damon landing on my shoulder like a fairy. Great image, but we need to move on. I liked that TED Talk because if you look at it that way, it wasn't totally my fault. It was natural. It felt like my little genius was just on vacation. But that didn't stop me from looking for it. I felt like now and then it was in the back of my mind, pacing, waiting for the right moment to remind me of the bowing and bending floors, the sweaty crowd singing along, the random person who'd confront me in a dark hallway telling me how much my song, lyrics I wrote, meant to them. Those memories still gave me chills. And now and then, I would sit down with my journal and a guitar, light a candle, do whatever I could, but I still felt like that genius was sunbathing thousands of miles away. Gigs became an excuse, too. I didn't have time to write. I needed to play Island in the Sun by Weezer for the 5,000th time. Not to mention, a studio, if I even had songs to record, would cost thousands and learning to record more than basic tracks would cost time. So time goes on, and we don't start on our goals. 
We've all been there. One day, I got so sick of my own indecision, lack of confidence, and I missed being inspired by music. I impulsively signed up for this certificate program that would teach me all I needed to know about recording, mixing, mastering, everything to be self-sufficient. I deeply ruminated over this decision because it cost money. It cost more than I could afford. It required more time than I thought I had. I didn't even have any songs. But then, it's sometime at the beginning of March. Probably woke up to an alarm. Gray skies. I do remember the gray skies. In the kitchen, I pour some coffee, check my phone. Weird, that thing from those memes. Coronavirus. It's completely taking over my feed on Facebook. Guys, one roommate, lamented. They canceled Frozen Dead Guy Days. A three-day-long parade of frozen turkey bowling, coffin races, and music based around local lore being canceled felt like the end of days. We were devastated, having no idea how insignificant that one cancellation would be. Soon enough, I got an email. No work today. No work tomorrow. I got a text. Gigs are canceled. Indefinitely. And so we all entered the gates of existential crisis limbo. Between signing up for unemployment and checking on friends and family, I definitely didn't hit the ground running. But it didn't take long for me to realize that suddenly, I had time for that program I signed up for. No more working full time. No more gigs, my relentless island in the sun to eat up my motivation. The stars had seemed to align in a sick, world-stopping way and gotten rid of all of my external excuses, but there was still the biggest hurdle of them all. Learning how to produce on my own was terrifying. Half of what had been stopping me was internal. I felt completely overwhelmed by the parts of writing and releasing that I had never faced on my own, only with my band, by my side and affirming that what I was creating was worth it, decent. To release something I felt good about by myself meant discipline, focus, Learning everything from how to place a mic on a guitar amp correctly to how to use compression to make the guitar groove with the drums. And hey, I needed to learn a drum processing software to learn how to edit to a grid and I need to learn logic from scratch. And what does DAW even stand for? I needed to break down this mass of new information or I would never learn a damn thing. On top of this, Rent wasn't going anywhere anytime soon. So I got an idea. I posted this on social media. With both a sudden lack of gigs and an abundance of time, I'm jumping on the Venmo me for a cover train. Venmo me any amount. Include the song name and the artist, and I'll post a cover for you. Let's do this. To my complete surprise, people were ready to support my starving artist self. Each song request that came in was different. 
Each one offered a new set of challenges, a new set of skills, but only a few at a time. An acoustic cover gave me practice recording and producing acoustic guitar, playing with reverb to create space. Deciding to use an electric guitar and fake drums on another meant new techniques, but by then, I'd have practiced creating space with reverb and recording vocals to a T. So song by song, I built on my skills. I became more comfortable with logic. Working through problems and operating under the excuse that, hey, I'm a beginner. Each step is a huge one. I was working through my certificate program at the same time, now able to devote hours a day to learning something I loved learning about. Of course, by cover 15 or so, I was done. At this point, I was using the same old skills and I was still devoting hours, days to each cover because I'm just an overachiever, I guess. I finished the covers and it was July. I was a single module away from finishing the certificate program, too, but that last step wasn't asking for a cover. It required an original song. And releasing said original song. Naturally, I procrastinated this step for days, then weeks, then over a month. I was burned out, sure. But no, it it was more than that. I was scared. Those covers got a pass. They were other people's songs. Originals? Those always have been, always will be vulnerable. The first song I would put out would say so much about me to the world. And it would be up against every other great song on Spotify. And I cared what other people thought. On a walk with my boyfriend, I told him how I I couldn't help but compare my songs to the greats. The production of the Foo Fighters, the integrity of the Ballroom Thieves. How small it made me feel. I'm not making any money, and I'm years away from making money with the things I'm doing right now. So what's the point? He thought for a second, and then he told me to imagine a pyramid. This is a pyramid of priorities, he said. The foundation, that bottom layer, that's what you get out of writing, out of learning. And that's internal satisfaction. I know you get that when you come out of recording all day with a huge smile, when you brag about the guitar tone you got or how cool compression is. On top of that, there's what other people think. Because, yeah, if you're putting music out there, the audience is a part of that. But this distills down to making other people feel something with the music. You love that, too. And hey, even reaching one or two people is a huge reason to do anything. Only that last tier, the cherry on top, is making any money. There are plenty of outcomes that matter way more before that outcome. We talked about the scope of perspective. Basketball players aren't down because they don't play like Michael Jordan. They're just having fun, sharing an experience. If I embraced my community, other folks learning because they love to learn and write, and compared my productions only to my past work, I'd feel way more confident and then so much more motivated. When I listened back to my first covers, I realized I had already grown so much. So the secret original song I'd been working on for my program, I showed it to my boyfriend. I showed it to my brother. And who knew? 
They loved it. I swallowed my pride. I ignored my insecurities as best I could, like that day of the talent show, all those years prior. The time came when the song was done, and I had to capitalize on impulsivity. I hit the stage, this time for myself. I hit submit to distributors and posted that I was releasing music. It was happening, and I wouldn't let myself stop it. And after that, the floodgates were open. The anxiety largely melted away. Some people liked the songs, and that filled my heart. And when some people didn't, I knew how to confront and squash the doubts that wanted to rise. I wasn't scared of the outcome anymore. I wasn't making excuses. And my genius came back. Writing started to hit me left and right. New ideas for lyrics, for EPs. Now I'm writing, recording, mixing, and releasing music on a regular basis. I nailed my workflow. I just needed to get past that first damn song. I found my groove, and I rediscovered my passion for music. It wasn't easy, and it was a long time coming. But I am so happy to be obsessed with something so rewarding that reaches others, too, but makes me so happy. The Smallest Giant is the name of my indie pop solo project that's finally live. My newest tune comes out on all streaming services February 3rd, and I hope you'll give it a listen. All the music you've heard on this podcast was written by me, either solo under the name The Smallest Giant, or with my band, from college, The Cranks. You can find both on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your music. By the way, If you want to hear more about that genius concept, that's a really cool perspective for creating and creativity, check out the TED Talk, Your Elusive Creative Genius, by Elizabeth Gilbert. And if you're a musician like me, ready to take your music to the next step, I highly recommend Musician on a Mission. You can find details on their extensive courses and all the cool stuff they offer at musicianonamission.com. Stay tuned for my interview with Matt. Thanks for listening. Welcome, everybody, to a special band showcase episode. I'm the Undead Matt, of course. And so the reason that this one is very special is that recently, now, obviously, we talked about some of the huge issues that have happened last year in 2020. I mean, we've had guests on talking about what they've experienced, and we've even talked to some bands recently about what they had to go through with COVID. And I know I'm like jumping right to the gun talking about what this topic is, which I'm guessing majority of you listeners, I'm glad that I'm just finally doing that at this point. But the real reason why we are doing this is that we here over at the Punk Record Podcast feel like that the indie scene and the underground scene uh, in a lot of ways definitely got hurt really, really hard. And, and we still feel like that not a lot of people realize how bad it was and how interesting of a change of dynamic it was for so many independent artists. So thinking about it, trying to figure out a way to better bring a light to the situation so that way we could hopefully maybe even get some closure I decided to reach inwards to our team and remember that on our team, we actually have a musician, somebody who does make music, who is currently making music, and honestly is way too much of a rock star to even be working with us. I, I don't even know why she bothers to uh, to continue to come work with us. She's way too cool, in my opinion. Um, but seriously, she's. Uh, I, I came to her and I was like, hey, you know, I need you to, to work with me on this. How do you feel about doing this? How do you feel about 
you know, leading this project, talking about how COVID was and what it was like for you. And at first she was, I could definitely hear a little nervousness, but then I heard like this excitement just like come up out of nowhere. And, and if I could ever describe this person with just one word, it would definitely be excitement. And, and I know I'm just like creating this illusion, like, okay, Matt, we get it. Who is it? Well, ladies and gentlemen, I, this is going to be a little biased, but we're bringing on today's our punk rock core podcast own intern Haley. well welcome Haley. thanks matt wow what a wonderful introduction i feel like i had to put in a little more because i actually do know you because you do work on the show so <laughs> that's fair that's fair enough I'll, I'll take it yeah but okay so so you've at, you have actually done some band showcases before um recently in the past like uh, i would say about 2019 and then 2020 came obviously and that kind of put like we've already talked about put a big huge you know stump in a lot of it, uh, plans but without getting with without making it so general kind of want to bring the scope down a little bit do you want to tell listeners who exactly you are and and the type of music you make yeah, um, my name's Haley, and I'm a 26-year-old living in uh, Nederland, Colorado these days. I'm from the East Coast. I love being outside. I love playing music, and I get really excited about things I'm passionate about, which is why Matt knows me as an excited person, because I get excited about creative project and projects and new ideas and, yeah, I, and working with other people. Um, yeah, and other than that, I'm just your average quarantining hanging out, watching Netflix, but trying to be a little bit productive and trying to accomplish something in these these darker days. You, you, I, I guess I should also just say, like, aside excitement, I could also put humble next to you, too, because you, you, uh, you do do a lot of cool stuff, especially with your music. I mean, um, we, we do have a special monologue that you did actually record and produce yourself that's going to be in this episode that we're going to go ahead and uh, go ahead and transition to here in a moment um but before we get there uh i mean you you have this very kind of human-like mentality about your music and about who you are and i think that's just one of the things that like initially um really kind of drew me towards you early on when you were just even interviewing to come on to work on the show um you know, I was I I was thinking to myself at the time. I was like, I was like, she is way too down to earth and cool for us. I'm expecting for her to say no to us. So, um, <laughs> as I'm applying, I mean, but, <laughs> yeah. And I was just, I was like, because I, I was, because I was reading your resume, and I'm just like, I, I don't. I think she's too good for us. <laughs> she might. Fit that. So, um, so yeah, you have this very. But I think that's just who you are as a performer, though. I, I'm trying not to like go off on too many tangents. But I think that's who you are as a performer. You have a very magnetic personality. I mean, in, in your monologue that uh, you talk about, you do talk about one of the things you miss and how it still kind of like jazzes you a little bit is, you know, fan, you know, random stranger coming up to you in a bar and just to tell you how much your lyrics meant to them. I mean for it, it's it's something i think i honestly think it is a pro of a personality as a musician to have that atmosphere about you to where people can just come up to you and talk to you i understand that can also be dangerous but for the most part i think it is really really much a pro i mean how do you view that portion of it uh before we get into all the heavy stuff you know fans just coming up to talk to you yeah i mean that's that's the best thing in the world because i mean 
I <laughs> I know that I'm humble, I guess. I but I know that like I I have my insecurities, I have my doubts, and after a gay, it could have gone anyway. I don't know. Like maybe it felt good, and I think we crush it, but that could mean something totally different to the sound guy or to the people at the bar. And like ultimately, I'm there for me, but I'm at, there for their for them too. Um, but so when somebody does make the effort to come up and talk to me and tell me what they thought or give me feedback, I, I love to hear it. I love to hear like what actually translated. Like, did I actually get some good feelings across or any kind of lasting meaning? And when I do, yeah, that's the best feeling in the world. Did you did you ever have any like someone come up to you who just like was really aggro about your music or was just like, I don't like that song or I don't know if they would say <laughs> it just like that. But oh, has that man. happened to you? How did you? If so, how how have you fielded that? I, I feel like we don't have enough artists to talk about what that's like. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I haven't had I haven't had anybody get super mad at my indie pop or my acoustic covers. <laughs> um, I, I get I get annoyed when I I I'm often related to Taylor Swift, and I just think in my head, you couldn't think of another female artist, you couldn't think of one other because I don't play country, like. Come on. And I respect Taylor Swift. She's an unbelievable songwriter. But still, that just that gets old. But I, right. I've had people come up to me and say, like, uh, or, you know, the other criticism is it was a little poppy or, um, yeah, stuff like that. But, yeah, I never really you don't really have people come up to you to tell you their grievances and, like, list off what you could have done differently to make their night better, which is, I guess, a good thing at the end of the day. I guess that is like one of the stark differences between like the punk community and metal community. When you go to a punk mm -hmm. or metal show, you know, there's, there might be somebody that comes up to a, to a punk band afterward and be like, oh, I don't like your song. It was offensive. I, which I have been to a lot of punk shows. I don't know anybody that's got up to a punk band to tell them that their music is, is too offensive, but yeah. I guess I could see it happening more there than yeah. Like some indie shows, but you never sure. know what you're going to run into just cause I know yeah. like it, it's a show and there's liquor and yeah, some people get and a little I mean, too too confident. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And there there was one gig um, where we used to, which is totally valid. Like this is the one that comes to mind. But it was so like I'm so glad somebody told us. Like we were covering that song "Pumped Up Kicks" by Foster the People, and someone came up and said, "You know, like that song, what that song's about, and like it it could be you know triggering for people in the audience. It could be you know something that isn't you know really great to sing and dance along to." And we figured, yeah, maybe it is in bad taste, and we we shelved it. But like that that was totally fair, and like we were glad to hear it. I rem I it has not this has nothing to do with the interview, but I remember pumped up kicks being like something really wasn't it like something tragic about drugs or something? I, I, I it doesn't really matter, but like the tone of the song itself is so misleading to the actual content oh my God, of what yeah. it's about. Which is also so cool. Like, let me tell you, like, so much respect for when you can have that kind of dichotomy between the lyrics feeling one way and the song feeling the other. Like, Jumper by Third Eye Blind is another great one about that. Um, you know, and honestly, I haven't thought about that song in years. And when I don't think about things, they, it tends to leave my mind. I, something tells me that song was about suicide or some something. I, yeah, I, don't I know. I know it was something dark. I know it was like yeah, it was really dark. something dark. But but that was like that was this modern era song because like in the '90s there was also I always forget it was but it was in it, this song was in literally every teen drama that was on a network whenever like whenever it was like the final season or if somebody died or, or actually no, if it was somebody died, it was actually somebody who would like just jump up and get their day started. Um, mm -hmm. and I forget what it's about, but like the actual song itself is about is like drugs and, and, and 
sex workers, even though like the tone is completely different. And I wish I remembered because yeah. I was because I could think of it on my head. Um, and there's like right there. "Semi Charmed Life" by another Third Eye Blind song. I guess they did it a lot. That's all about yeah, like, they, math or something. But it's do 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 do. That's it. That's that's it. Thank you. Yeah, it was Third Eye Blind. Feel good '90s song. Yeah. Like, all right, let's roll up our jean pants and move this furniture. Yeah. Right. Oh man, and you know what? I, it just it just came to me just because I, it's gonna kill me if I don't write this wrong. Pumped up kicks. I'm pretty sure it was at least related to like school shooting uh, yeah. subject matter. I think that's what it was, and it okay. was like right after something had happened when that song came out, which made it hit a little close to home for people. Which is again totally valid. Yeah, yeah, that uh, that definitely makes sense. I mean, but but it's at least it sounds like they were they were nice about it when like letting you know about it because it seems like yeah, I mean, from what you tell, it seems like that that they knew that the tone is also misleading from what the actual message is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So coming back to it, though, uh, I mean, we I, I love talking about music. I love talking about misleading music all the time. So we should definitely mm-hmm. just have an episode where you come on and just like have a half hour talking about misleading music. But <laughs> coffee and misleading music with a uh, Yeah. Yeah. Just like we'll we'll just take a song and we'll 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 play it for the listeners and be like, all right, what did you feel during this entire time? And we'll just see if that's accurate with the actual content of the song. <laughs> yeah. Because guess what? You weren't supposed to feel that way. <laughs> Guess what? You're about to feel bad for feeling good. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Get him. <'em. laughs> oh, All right. So bringing it back. Um, so, yeah, you you're diving into kind of doing somewhat as the, the punk record podcast uh, expose on 2020, what it was for, you know, a lot of indie artists, you being one especially. And. We asked you to do this because although we have a lot of amazing bands coming to us and a lot of, you know, amazing artists, um, we only maybe get to talk to them at a half hour time and not really get to go into a lot of these type of topics. And so it was great not just being able to come to you to talk to you and be like, hey, ready to get interviewed just to promote your music. But like, hey, here's an opportunity that we can add on to it. Do you want to kind of be an advocate, kind of be a leader for it? And so you were very humble about how you accepted it, but do you kind of want to, I feel like I'm over explaining things. Do you want to talk a little bit about what your monologue is about and what this episode is also a little bit about and you're part of it? Yeah, totally. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, we're just trying to cover the before the during and hopefully soon enough, the after of the pandemic and what that meant being a musician. Um, and it meant different things for a lot of different folks. And, it, it, you know, musicians come in all kinds of varieties, right? There's touring bands. There's people who write and do-it-yourself studios. There's, yeah, all this different kind of, all these different caveats. But, um, yeah, my monologue is about the same thing. And I, I found myself really digging back in my past because you can't talk about before COVID without talking about how I fell in love with music and where I was headed with music when COVID hit. Because it was because of that foundation that I took the direction that I did, and I couldn't be more happy with how, how what I've accomplished in the in the couple of months we've been stuck to, stuck inside. So then, let's go ahead and just start there. Let's start at the beginning of what COVID was like. I mean, obviously, when when it hit, 
over here at the show, we had a big meeting with everyone. I mean, I know you were part of it and I followed up with you too, talking about that. We have no idea what's going to happen for the remainder of the year. All the live shows that we were going to do, we're going to have to cancel because we're not going to risk anybody, you know, getting sick. Mm -hmm. We just don't feel responsible doing that. And so at the time though, you know, I was thinking, I was like, okay, maybe this will end in like May or June, you know, maybe we'll be okay. (laughs) And then, so I kind of want, I just kind of want to throw it back to you. I mean, what was your perception of this, of when COVID was first starting as an artist? What was it like for you? Yeah. I mean, at the time I wasn't, I was, I just straight up was not writing, was not recording, wasn't mixing, wasn't releasing music. I wasn't posting on YouTube. I had devoted my time at that point to gigs. I was playing gigs a couple times a week, solo acoustic or with my duo, Food for Bears. Um, and that was fun, but I, I had been wanting to write more music, but there's always a million excuses. And I was leaning on every single one of them. Um, but when COVID hit, you know, it kind of felt like all the dystopian books you read as a kid, if you're me or if you read a bunch of dystopian books as a kid, it just felt like the world was ending. And that was really heavy for for me, but for a lot of people, you know, my my work called and I was you know, going to have work indefinitely. They were figuring it out. You guys were, were, were figuring it out. Um, my summer job that I've gone back to the last couple of years working outdoor camps. Uh, yeah, they weren't sure what was going on either. So everyone's scrambling. And it, it took me a little bit, but I eventually realized that I did have time. And I could be using this time for that thing I've been meaning to get around to forever, which was writing, recording, producing music. Um, Of course, you know, it was hard to have that realization and to start doing anything. It was an emotional time. And I think a lot of people had trouble embracing that and embracing not being productive and that being okay. Our culture is so not used to that. Um, But yeah, so it was a big adjustment. But as an artist, I, I just immediately turned to what can I do now? I can't play gigs, but how can I make money? I can't play gigs, but how could I, you know, still play music in a rewarding way? And that led me to a couple different outcomes. And so I, I like how you kind of like already started going to um, like preparing, you know, like what what to do just to keep moving forward. And mm-hmm. And I think that's like one of the coolest things to take away just even from your monologue for anybody who is still just navigating the world of music or even making their own music is still finding ways to just play and continue to play and keep pushing forward. And um, and I want to jump into a little bit of, of what it was like going mid through COVID. But, uh, but before we get into that, I mean. Mm. As artists, and and I know I don't talk about it. I talk about it somewhat on the show. Maybe I talk about it more than I realize. But um, I also do my own stuff with my own music that I'm a lot more introverted about than you are. So I I, I do kind of like idolize you in a sense because I'm like I don't know where she gets the confidence from. Um, <laughs> and so, but I I I think that. I think that it's it's so easy to to fall into a regression and I think we forget how easy it is to do it and I don't want to keep bringing yeah. it up talking about like the interruption routines and how that's a big thing unless I mean we'll touch on it obviously but I mean, yeah, when COVID did hit, it was this like wave of uncertainty, you know, I mean, you had half of, I mean, you could argue still, but you had half of the populace, you know, not taking it serious while the other half was taking it overly serious. And Mm -hmm. so it seems like everything that filled the gray middle area of it all was, was independent artists, was independent music. 
and just independent mm-hmm. creations in general. And because, and the reason I say that I'm willing to make that statement is because it's the same thing. Anytime, whenever there has been a huge, huge downturn in emotion for anybody or there, anybody's distraught, we turn to art, we turn to music, we turn to these outlets to help us through it. So, yeah, you know, as, as an artist, do you, and especially like going through the pandemic, do you feel like you had added pressure to just put something out in general or, or did you mm-hmm. feel like, or did you feel like you just had like a huge fog brain, I, I guess would be the, <laughs> the other equivalent to that. <laughs> you know, that's interesting. That's an interesting question. I can't say I felt a lot of pressure to get something out there. Um, cause my, my web presence was kind of dismal and I hadn't been releasing or posting content. I was playing shows and interacting at shows. But yeah. it's, it's funny, you know, you bring up the community and how cool it was. It was so cool seeing live shows coming out of the woodwork between, you know, my favorite bands that I've, you know, paid to see. And then just friends of mine from college. I have this one friend, uh, Misao McGregor is her name. She wa- she writes some just hauntingly beautiful stuff and also happy, happy beautiful stuff. But regardless, it's all gorgeous. But she was releasing stuff and she hit the ground running and you you see these people hitting the ground running and it kind of it, you know it's that it's motivation if you really see it as a community as the community that it is that's that's what got me going that's what got me started was people in my circles taking initiative and so yeah my first big initiative idea was doing like venmo me for a cover and i started posting on youtube a whole bunch um, then I felt the pressure because then I had all these songs that had piled up that people wanted to hear. And I had a big list and I'm, I, I could not spend less than a couple hours on any one of them. Um, then I felt pressure to keep creating and to keep putting things out there. Um, also when, um, when the protests started happening around black lives matter and places to donate started becoming very in the public I like very all over everywhere donate here donate there I realized oh like I should be doing something now too and I was able to raise a bunch of money for um, a couple different organizations which was really cool Um, but in that time I I did feel pressure for sure Um, just kind of like this is what I do and I have a way to make a, a little bit of a difference I have a way to participate and so I thought that I needed to take ownership of that there in that scenario. So, because uh, I, cause I do want to move on to the next part. So, if we can, we'll try to make it a quick, just a quick question. But okay. um, when you did start doing live shows during the beginning of the pandemic, I know there was a lot of pushback from a lot of people just doing live shows in general. I mean, the way I entered it as well. I mean, we canceled ours. Obviously, it was different us canceling our shows as, as compared to, uh, or us even having a show as compared to yours. It brings in a different audience, of course. Um, and the way we both run our shows differently when it's live at that point but mm-hmm. did you I, I'm, I'm hoping you didn't but did you have anybody kind of give you any blowback or a hard time for still doing a live show um as the, as the pandemic was starting um I, at first when you were saying live i thought you meant live stream but now i realize no actually my gigs they actually got canceled right right when everything hit i had like one last gig and then everything else was canceled because I, I worked through this one agency for the most part and I didn't start play, um, booking stuff independently I could with the outdoor um, farmers markets and things like that and at that at that point nobody gave me any trouble about it everyone was you know taking precautions and it just yeah we were just trying to make money we were just trying to get out there in a, as safe of a way as we could and uh, yeah people seemed to understand that when when it was done right 
Yeah, and, I, and I'm so sorry. I should have totally like clarified the difference. I, I didn't realize that saying live would also re, uh, kind of like hit that live stream. Can I didn't you really believe think of that. that that's that's the world we live in? You say live, and I'm thinking live stream. That's how far. But, that's how far it's but, gotten. But it's real, though. This is what yeah. we're currently living in. I mean, right now there is a vaccine out, but it's it's still slowly kind of making its way around. And so, I mean, we still everything is still basically a live stream. And so, I mean, I think even there, just like the fact that you assumed that I was already I was already yeah. talking about live streams in the live show is already a great example at how significant the impact COVID was on so many indie acts in general. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and I want to clarify for the listeners when i say indie i don't also just mean the genre of indie but i also just mean indie in general so this obviously is talking about like punk bands and you know local metal bands underground bands alike and underground artists alike so do understand that even though that Haley is a fantastic indie genre artist that we're also talking about everyone in this case um mm-hmm. that's been affected by it so yeah. I, uh, so moving forward, I mean, um, so I, I think it's still great that you did do live streams and I think it's great that any band or any artist did live streams for their fans. Um, I mean, even, even prison did one, Guar did one, uh, dropkick Murphy's did one. Those are the bigger names, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then obviously on the smaller scale, all the underground acts. I mean, every band that we've had on this show, even Barry Mia did a live show, um, live stream show. And so, and 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 I, the biggest the biggest con that I've that I've talked that I've heard that seems to be objective at this point is that there's a huge disconnect because you don't have you know people there dancing and jumping and you know singing along to your music it's all through a screen so it's a lot harder to feel that synergy from the crowd or even mm-hmm. you know and and to be able to give back to that so i mean and i can imagine it you know just just and i'm not trying to make fun of it but i can't imagine just like any band be like all right raise your hands up this is yeah. this gonna be a real banger and just like all right i'm gonna assume your hands are up yeah <laughs> Everybody, come on, come up close to the stage. Don't be shy. It's just a guy grabbing a laptop and bringing it closer. Yeah, right. <laughs> just like this. Is this close enough? I'm surprised there isn't it. a sketch somewhere yet. We should make it one. That's yeah. that. We should make it one for the show. Coming soon. Yeah, you could. Uh, we could get you in, and then just like your whole line is like, "No, bring it closer. Bring it closer." Like technically yeah. to bring it closer. So it's like right mm-hmm. up on your face. <laughs> mm-hmm. um so as the pandemic went on things started getting closed down the civil rights movement was happening at the same time and literally the world was on fire and we could mm-hmm. actually say we could actually even then say the quote of the famous smash Mouth song my world's on fire how about yours mm-hmm. and then and then somebody else would be like yeah mine too um yeah. and so with all this going on, I mean, what was it like still being an artist at this time with mid-COVID just happening and just the egregious amount of uncertainty in every factor of life? Like, yeah, you had to get used to just being unbalanced and just to being hit with horrible news every day. I think everybody had to get desensitized a little bit because especially at first, like, how am I supposed to write a song when all of this is going on? When there's, you know, protests in the streets and like, you know, people's lives are at stake and people are dying. And like you're seeing this every day from your room where you're quarantined and not allowed to go outside. And it's it's just it's so much. It's completely overwhelming. Um, how are you supposed to be an artist? And yet that's where art comes from. It comes from feeling that way. And it comes from, 
expressing what needs to be expressed in in a social context and in what's going on in the real world and you just say it it's yeah it was but it was a lot it was hard I, I can see that when you started talking about this that you definitely got a little apprehensive and i think the only reason i say that is because i think it was what you already touched on is that it was a desensitizing time for all of us and i don't and, and i don't think anybody you know likes to remember a time when they were desensitized to major events happening around them you mm-hmm. know it's there is kind of i mean it's it, it makes me think of animals in the wild a lot of times and and mm. maybe it's an extreme example but you know in packs and in herds they can generally tell when an animal is sick or not okay you know like elephants for example um are said to uh will said to sometimes leave behind their own kind if if they can't save them you know Mm. because they can tell they're not okay and that this is it for them and then yet and the reason I, i bring that up and make that really morbid example is that if you take that elephant and bring that and make that elephant into a grander scale into an entire population or in this case the art scene it definitely seems like there was this weird constipation of art coming out you know like either either there was the and maybe constipation isn't the right word but like obviously big name acts were coming out and doing what they can to bring out music i mean ghost inside came out with an album um or maybe it was august burns red it was it was early early 2020 Mm. so and, you know, they're, they're bringing out music and then coming back on a smaller scale of it all, you know, you do see, you did see a lot of downturn in the punk community here in Colorado. A lot of bands just canceling stuff still, not sure if they could even do shows and some still doing some, you know, live in-person shows, but, you know, kind of like hush hush vibes. But at the same time, though, there was this like disconnection between artists. I mean, people weren't making music together. And so... I felt like there was just kind of like this this collective consciousness going on with all artists where it was just like you didn't really have to talk about what you were going through. Everybody could just kind of pick up on it because more than likely mm. they were going through something similar. And yeah. I think that and maybe and, and maybe that's over explanation of why I think you were apprehensive a little bit about it when you were talking about what you were going through. Because, I mean, it's how do you talk about and add more detail to, yeah, I lost some motivation here and I didn't write. I mean, what else do you say there? You know, because it's rough, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we all felt it. We all went through it. And in some ways, it's it's almost my reaction was almost like, what makes my experience different than anyone else's? You know, instead of baking bread, I was turning to hone a skill that I felt really passionate about. But people put their energies in all different kinds of channels to try to either escape or to try to balance out what was going on in the world yeah and i and i think and i want to give your thoughts on this i think that that there was this kind of like competition for a lot of artists at the time to because you mentioned earlier that like you know you saw people in your own circle you know doing stuff and so that's what motivated you right and so mm-hmm. i feel that bands that were able to do stuff that there was this competition like oh you know so and so is is putting out music so why aren't we doing anything what can we do and i feel like people kind of started rushing themselves to do something to get something done and out there because yeah. You know, were either worried that they were going to lose traction off something new they made, or that they were going to lose traction to a similar act or something like that. Now, I understand the latter is a little bit more of a presumption on my end, but um, from just the collection of everything I've been hearing, that's what it seemed like. You know, that there was this pressure to get things out. You know, I mean, do you think that 
so I want to know where, where you're at. Do you think it's better to pressure yourself to put something out out there just so people that support you can have something regardless of the quality of it? Or do you think it's better to just lie in wait and let yourself let your muse come back to you like you talk about in your monologue so that way you can actually put out something that you'll be happy for you know what's what's the difference should you be putting out something for your for your those who support you or should you be putting out something that you enjoy and can you still even maintain a balance between the two with something like this yeah well i think the key word is balance like most things in life um because ultimately if there wasn't a pandemic those bands would still be feeling that pressure because maybe it's in a month or two months since their last release maybe you know that other band just booked the best gig ever and they didn't book it you know they're still feeling it 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 was just it was the same pressure under a different name you know under the name of we need to do something because the world is dying or because the the world is ending you know it's, it's a different pressure but it at the end of the day it's very similar and i think that it comes down to a balance like even now now that i've started recording and releasing i don't want to stop releasing because i've i'm on a great train of motivation and you, you're supposed to release every so often so people don't forget about you but yeah i have to step back and also think no like i want this to sound how i want it to sound this is also something right now it's just a hobby you know i'm not trying at least my my solo indie project the smallest giant that's all just writing and learning how to write and putting things out there and uh I definitely have to find that balance so that I don't stress myself out to the point of not loving what I'm doing anymore. And I think that's the same for a lot of bands is just finding their their balance where the the pressure doesn't override the the internal satisfaction. Of course, and 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 I agree too. And I mean, you know, it's just, I mean, with COVID now getting more towards the end, hopefully sooner than later. Hopefully, we don't have a whole another year of it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're now starting to see motivation start to come back to a lot of people. I mean, here on the show, we've talked about how our motivations come back, how we figured out things we needed to figure out. Um, and even like when we had the Negans on recently, they kind of talked about that. Just even coming on the show to talk about what they were doing was a high point. So you're yeah. starting to see these motivations come back and you're starting to see these drives come back. Um, and so I think the biggest thing to take away, though, is like what has been what what's supplementing that drive for everybody what's supplementing yeah. that motivation um what what do you think it was hmm what do you maybe, what do you could you elaborate on what you mean by supplementing that motivation yeah so like for example um when we were talking to patrick and Kristen on uh, episode 141 we were they were talking about like how when they spent the holidays with their family, like Patrick spent the holidays with his family, it rejuvenated his creative spirit. He had motivation mm-hmm. to come back and do what he liked doing and that he didn't hate looking at it. And same thing with Kristen as well, you know, was able to spend time with her family and that kind of gave her the break and helped her refine her fundamentals to come back and do what she enjoys doing. Yeah. Uh, so what was that thing gotcha. for you that, that brought you back, Haley. You know, what was the thing that brought your muse back to you, that brought that creativity back to you and brought you that motivation? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm a big believer in highs existing because lows exist, right? Like the best things happen because you experience the worst things. And like I needed an escape. I needed something to get away. <clears throat> and I already knew deep down I loved music, even though I wasn't writing and recording or finding time for that. Suddenly I didn't have an excuse. I had the time. So I... I was able to pour myself into this, into writing, and it became my safe haven. It was it had nothing to do with Facebook or 
I don't even want to say Trump's name, but it had nothing to do with him. It had nothing to do with Mitch McConnell. You know, it was as far removed as you could get. And it was something that gave me so much joy learning how to do. Um, And yeah, I think that's because of the deep, dark state we were in. And also, I also think like, I think I want to say, you know, wow, it, it was so enlightening how productive everybody was trying to be at certain times. And I had to remind myself, that's just the U.S. telling you that you need to work you know, 40 hours a week to feel mm-hmm. like you're worthy of being a person. That's totally made up, you know, like you're allowed to sleep in in the middle of a pandemic. You're allowed to take breaks for yourself. Um, I think that was a huge part of it for me, too, is not equating productivity and quantity with quality. I, I I love that. I don't think enough people talk about that, that sometimes actually spending time on one thing to make sure you like it is better than spending time on a lot of things um, just to fill a void. Yeah, and so yeah. I, I think it's good. Thing. And, and yeah, also really quick side tangent. Yeah. Uh, you, it, whoever is arguing that you need to work 40 hours a week to work in yourself to death in order to be adding to society or fulfilling something it yeah let me know when jeff bezos actually starts putting in 40 hours weeks and yeah, you know right? and isn't making two thousand dollars just for you know watching a movie on his off time existing i think yeah. he makes two thousand dollars in like a, an hour it's yeah. some of those Oh, yeah, no, it's, it's like two thousand six hundred and seven dollars in an hour, I think, or something like that. Like, like estimated, he makes that much within an hour. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, no, don't even tell me that dude's working sixty hours a week. Don't even tell me yeah. he's working. Tell me, no don't even way. tell me he's working twenty. Don't even tell me he's working twenty. Hell no, yeah. there's no way. Don't he's working on his ten on a yacht somewhere. Is what what he's working on. Like the most time that he put in was building the company in his garage, and that yeah. and that was it. You know, at that point. Then it was just getting it off the ground and then cornering the market. So don't don't even give mm-hmm. me that shit. <laughs> yeah. So we need to get away from this idea that productivity equals your right to exist, your right to be happy. And I I, I really that that took a long time for me to mm-hmm. get out mm-hmm. of my system. I, I I've been an overachiever all my life. Like I just try, which is great, you know, when you're doing something you love. But when yeah. you're not, wow, like just uh, yeah. And so, well, you, and also, you can't be productive if you're always going and going and going and going. Like, yeah, uh, exactly. even even machines need to have maintenance on them. So, yeah, it, mm-hmm. like, it, it, and also, just really quick, real quick thing, it's been proven that four four days a week, just working four days a week, does improve mental and overall health and work ethic amongst any job site. I'm just saying. I'm oh, just. Saying. I believe it. I it believe proves- it. I'm just saying in Japan, so they, they do yoga in Japan at work. They do yoga. I don't know anybody, any place that like forcibly does that. Yeah. The U.S. has to get with it. Get with just, the times. Figure it out. It's not railroads and steam machines anymore. OK, exactly. we don't need to <laughs> chill. Come on. Like we're obviously not ahead of the game education or technology wise. So maybe obviously. we should be cool doing things. Everybody take a step back. Take a deep breath. <laughs> now what did we learn <laughs> yeah right <laughs> um so w- with with a pandemic coming to an end and again hopefully hopefully a fast and hopefully we're not jinxing the entire pandemic with this episode um we're we're going to be seeing a lot i feel like we're going to start seeing a new appreciation for loco and indie and underground acts and mm-hmm. i feel like the reason for that 
is because hopefully not just because of the work that we're doing here to bring more of a light and, you know, hopefully encourage a lot more people that, you know, kind of just like frequent these bands, actually go and support them, buy an album from them and you as well, Haley. Um, but I think, you know, a lot of people did see that their favorite artists that they bonded with a year prior aren't coming back. You yeah. know, they can't, they can't afford the tour um, and they can't afford to put people at risk. You know, I think they, yeah. people saw that, you know, their bands can't go in to finish, you know, uh, an album. Their artists that they love can't go in to finish an album anymore, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and unless you do ha- or have the capability to do it yourself, um, obviously that's the difference. That's the caveat. But, you know, if you mm-hmm. don't, what about all these artists that, you know, are wanting to put music out, you know, I mean, uh, a lot of them do resort to live streams. And then again, that brings up the issue of not being able to actually communicate with an audience in an easy manner. Um, So as this year draws out, I do think that there will be more of appreciation from the scene in, in every regard. So the punk scene, metal scene, even the indie scene, I think there will be more of appreciation. I have a good feeling that once the shows open up again, there's going to be a huge influx in ticket sales, even for local Mm. acts. Oh, I'm going to be buying all the tickets I can. I can't (laughs) wait. Um, so as this happens, I implore all of you listeners, and I want to give it back to you, Haley, so you can put your thoughts on it. Um, Mm. but as, as this happens and as this occurs, and even if it doesn't go this way that I'm hoping it does, I implore, I implore all of you listeners, ghoul, get ghouls, gals, creeps me into like, so please, please continue to go to support the artists you love, go buy their albums, go buy their merch, go support them however you can. And even if it's this show that you enjoy listening to, then same thing, you know, go check out our Patreon. You can go over there or you can go buy our merch. Um, always go and support your local acts because we're always going to come back and we're always going to try to just do not what we love doing or what artists love doing, but we're going to try to put out stuff that you're going to love too. And that's something that a lot of people do for free. And I'm not trying to like guilt anyone in any sort of way. So please, please don't take this the wrong way, listeners. I'm more so just saying, you know, that really reconsider spending 10 bucks on a Starbucks coffee and instead maybe, maybe buy an album from someone, you know? Yeah. You know, I, I understand you need your perk, but <laughs> I, I'm just saying they do too. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> If their music has done something for you throughout 2020, if what they've done or what they who they are has done something for you and has helped you out, please consider going supporting them financially. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it goes it goes so far and it's it's so appreciated. And hey, if you know, if if you don't have the money today or tomorrow, even just dropping a message on Facebook or Instagram, hey, I really appreciate what you do. Thank you for doing it. Reminds the artists why they're doing it in the first place. Oh yeah, I mean we've we've gotten that a lot too. We where we've had people just come across our show and they're just like, "Hey, I really I I didn't know you a show that talks about punk rock and horror. This is my new favorite show." And mm. like being like told something nice like that is so motivating. It definitely yeah. helps you feel like you're wasting time. I mean, you know, when you have those really down moments where you're doubting yourself and you feel like you're wasting time. Um, Haley, as we wrap out today, I don't want to cheap you out on the same story that we always ask everybody, every band <laughs> that comes out here. So, but you are welcome to to pass on it if you wish. But do you have a crazy story you would like to share from a show that you have played or that uh, that your uh, band has attended that you witnessed? Oh man, I, I knew you were gonna ask me this, but it only—it's funny you—it only hit me like five minutes before our call. I was like, oh no, Matt's gonna ask me that question. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Oh, man. I'm going to think of something right after. I have a I have a particular story that I touch on, on the, in the monologue that I'll leave to the monologue. 
I'll just, I remember going when I was a, in senior in high school, we went to see Walk Off the Earth, that band that did the cover of Somebody You Used to Know with like the six people on the guitar. Oh, okay. Um, and I remember at one point he came down and like, you know, reached into the crowd and I was there with my brother and my bass player, my, my band, the Cranks from high school and college. And without even thinking, my brother like lifted me up and like, I just knew what he wanted me to do. And I took a business card for my band out of my pocket and I put it in his pants, like I put it in his jeans as fast <laughs> as I could before he like left and kept going singing his song. We were just like, yes, like this is going to be it. <laughs> we never ended up hearing anything from him, but that was, I'll, I'll never forget that, that heroic moment. <laughs> If I was shameless self promotion, I would have probably reached out because if I was him, I was like, "Those sneaky fuckers!" I didn't even notice. <laughs> I think we did reach out on Twitter or something, and he, he might have said that he found it. I can't remember; it was so long ago now. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, but that was definitely one of the stories that comes to mind. <laughs> I don't know why, but that reminds me of like this Johnny Cash story my mom told me once. Uh, if you want, I can tell you real quick. We're, we're running out of time on the show. I don't yeah, want. I don't go for it. Uh, I'll make it okay. I'll make it really quick. So obviously, when Johnny Cash was still alive, may he rest in peace. Country died with him. Uh, I stand by that statement. Always will. Um, so she went to a show of his, and this was when she was like sixteen in high school. I ironically enough, that's why it reminds me of it. And so he was playing, and he was doing a show, right? And as he was finishing up and and singing a song, he, you know. My mom was in the front crowd with with you know everybody else, and if they were sticking their hands out, and they're like, "Oh my god, Johnny Cash! Oh my god!" You know, yeah. and so he grabs my mom out of the crowd and gives her a kiss right on the lips. Oh my god! <laughs> I know, right? That's amazing. And then just like, and then wow. like moves on. I was like, "Wait, you got to kiss Johnny Cash?" And she's like, "Yeah, I did." I'm like. Would dad be mad if I told him I wish Johnny Cash was my dad? Because <laughs> you were I mean, oh, technically here, technically that close. Yeah, yeah, that was that was as close as not, not many people have gotten that close. <laughs> so, but I was just like, I was like, hell yeah, my mom kissed Johnny Cash. No, not a lot of people could say that. <laughs> yeah, that's an awesome story. That's great. That's, that's one of my favorites because I was just like, because that. Honestly, she, that story she I, it makes me really jealous of her. That is the one artist, like anytime anybody's met an artist that I'm 100% jealous of is is beating Johnny Cash technically face to face and getting yeah. to actually be in the same environment as him. Like the uh, I don't know, maybe I'm just too big of a Johnny Cash geek. Um, but it's it's deserved. I mean, the guy's a legend. Oh yeah, he's the man in black. Again, I stand by my statement. Country died with him. It was alive when he was alive. Um, mm-hmm. Haley, again, I just want to say it's been an, a blast not just having you on this interview, but just having you on the show in general and being a part of it. You do a lot of work behind the scenes that a lot of people don't realize or don't see. And we and we're always going to try to like throw credit to everybody that works behind the scenes. But because this is your interview, I want to give you the credit. You do a lot of great stuff. You've reached out to sponsors for us. You're jumping into audio editing for us. I mean, Haley, you're, you got the whole world in your hands and I'm just glad that you were able to rake room for us somehow in there. So I just want to give you a big thank you and thank you so much for being on the show. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Matt. Right on. Well, ghouls, gals, creeps and mutants. Uh, 
please support Haley. Obviously, if you support the show, you're also supporting her, but please support her individually and what she's doing individually. We're going to have links to her music and what she's doing, obviously, in the episode notes below. Um, this is a very special episode. We might do a follow-up to this at some point. Maybe we'll have Haley lead it again. I don't, I don't know, Haley, how would you feel about doing a similar project in the future? Absolutely. Okay, you don't have I'm to in. say yes on record. You can tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> What do you have to say to our listeners? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm down. I love this stuff. Right on. Alrighty then. Ghouls, Gals, Creeps, Moons. Again, uh, support Haley. If you have thoughts about 2020, are you an artist? Are you somebody who maybe does some sort of create creative content and you had to survive through 2020 in some sort of way? Let us know. What are your thoughts about today's episode? Maybe we'll bring you on the show and get your perspective. All right. Um, Haley, as a wrap out, is there any kind words you want to say to the Ghouls, Gals, and Creeps, Moons? Thanks for listening, and thanks for being passionate about all you're passionate about. There you go, ghouls, gals, creeps me into like. Thank you again. Please support the show. Please support Haley, and we will talk about music with you next time.
Hey there, ghouls, gals, creeps, and mutants. Before we continue today's episode, I want to talk about today's sponsor, Ray's. Now, when it comes to energy drinks, I am somebody who is definitely very picky about their purchase of energy drink. And I know that sounds really corny, but it's true. I don't like getting energy drinks like Red Bull that don't do anything for me or going for an energy drink like Rockstar or Monster that can overstimulate me and give me, you know, too much of a stimulation to where I'm up till like three or five in the morning, not able to go to sleep. And it can be a real hard balancing act sometimes. So I'm thankful for companies like Ray's who come out with with an honest to made energy supplement that is widely available at a very affordable price. Now, before I get into the specifics of what you usually price their uh, products for, I wanna tell you really quick that, yes, this is another energy drink company that has zero sugar and zero crash when it comes to their product, but unlike all the other competitors like Monster or Red Bull or even Rockstar, they are honest about it. They're an honest company putting honest ingredients into their energy drinks. Now, you know me, I'm always skeptical of things when they call them organic. And that's a company that doesn't call themselves to be organic. And that's more of a reason why I'm inclined to trust this product. So if you head over to raise.com today and use the code PRHP, get yourself one now, you're gonna be shocked to find that most of their products are not over $35. Matter of fact, they are priced at a retail of under 30. That's right, uh, they are priced at under $30 just for an energy supplement. And I mean, I know it, it's, it could be kind of overwhelming to see so many of these energy supplements, energy companies going around these days. So if you trust our movie reviews and you trust our word when it comes to critiquing horror, then you can trust us when it comes to talking about energy drinks. Please check out Ray's. Go ahead, check them out. Go on to the website again, raise.com, and make sure you use our promo code PRHP at checkout. All right, ghouls, gals, creeps, mutants, thanks for listening to this small ad. Let's jump back into it.